Welcome. This is the Tulsa Music Stream. We do streams. That's what we do. And also, um, if you can, please, uh, you know, follow, friend, our page, Tulsa Music Stream on Facebook. We're also on YouTube, and you can hit the notification bell on that little guy. And we're also on Twitter, and we are on Twitch. And uh, today's episode, we are going to be speaking with Steve Brown from Trickster. He's the guitar player, and he's a good one at that. And I'm, I'm Scott Squires. This is Nine. Hi, I'm and that's Nine. Jana, and we also have Teresa over here. Hello, Teresa. Hello. Hello, fellas. We kind of have a curveball that's been thrown at us in the last three minutes. Apparently, Steve Brown's power is out at his house, so we've given him a phone number to call in. So we may be doing this by phone. Uh, if he gets the message in time to call us. So what we'll do in the meantime, I want to tell you, even if we, even if he doesn't call us, I do want to tell you what he has going on. Um, let's see here. He has a new single that's out right now. And if he calls us, we're going to talk about this. It's called one to lean on. And it's not only did he release the song, but he's got two different videos out and there's a, there's a band video and a lyric video. Both are very cool. And you can hear the song on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Tidal, Deezer. You can also check out those videos on YouTube. And, you know, this, I, I want to mention when he gets on, um, it's a deviation from what Steve is kind of known for, because he's known for a lot of hard rock stuff, um, melodic hard rock. This is like totally bluesy, and it just shows his versatility. And it's it's excellent, and he's yeah. got some cool guys on it. He has a lot, of, quite of a Bon Jovi influence, you know. He does. As a matter of fact, when he, I think when he's singing on this new single, "One to Lean On," he sounds a lot. It's a very Bon Jovi vibe, minus the distorted guitars. It's more bluesy, um, but it's excellent. So we're really hoping he'll be able to call in. Uh, if not, then we'll do what we did with Mark Kendall, and we'll reschedule. Um, you know, sometimes stuff like this happens when it's a live episode. You cannot plan for power outages, so what do you do? What do you do? But we're going to give him a few minutes to call in. Uh, he actually has a friend that's communicating between us and him. Uh, they said... How, how's the communication going? Well, so this is exciting. 
Yeah. So, so the title, we just got this like three minutes ago. It says, Steve Brown's power is out. It says, this is Steve Brown's good friend. I just got notified he has a blackout in his town. Unsure if he will be able to join. Do you have a phone number? So we gave him a phone number. And uh, the friend said, cool, I'm going to send it to him and hopefully he'll get it and call us. So we will give a few minutes. Do we know what town that is? You know, it's somewhere. Newark, Jersey. Some, is he in Newark right now? I don't know. It's somewhere up there in the Northeast. Yeah, I'm thinking. So this is where our uh, ad living gets <clears throat> to shine. Remember, we haven't done this in quite some time. So normally the guest just carries us along like body bags, but... <laughs> Like butter. Right. We get to carry it. So um, let me tell you about Mark Kendall. Um, remember when we tried to do that a few weeks ago, that one did not work out because of technical issues. So we have rescheduled him for a week from tonight, Tuesday, October 18th at 8 p.m. Mark Kendall of Great White will be on with us. We've got a lot to talk to him about. Do you guys have anything you want to discuss while we're hopefully awaiting Steve Brown's call. Well, um, maybe perhaps we tell them, tell the guy that we are live now. So if he wants to call, it will just, um, we'll just go right into the interview, you know, that sort of thing. That way, you know, they don't, sometimes these guys, they, they do these interviews and they're, you know, they're, they're not live. So they just, yeah, yeah, they just call in and they get recorded and then edited and moved on. And, you know, this way they know we're live and that he can just come in now instead of like, literally 20 minutes from now yeah, right no <laughs> i i had asked him to call at about five after um but i just sent a message to call now so hopefully he will be calling here very soon if not no worries lady we'll, luck is on our side absolutely we can always reschedule can. I, okay i know what to talk about i want to ask you you guys played an amazing show saturday night the crowd was huge you guys played at Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue. Talk a little bit about that experience. They moved locations. Is that correct? Yeah, they, they moved it from Fayetteville to Rogers. All right, here we go, guys. Thanks. Yeah. thanks we'll talk then. more about there that later. <laughs> Steve Brown from Trickster coming on with us. Hey, Steve. How you doing? Let me get you on uh, Bluetooth. Bluetooth real Take quick. Take your time. No problem. We haven't done a phone call in quite a while. All right. Can you hear us okay? Mm-mm. It's okay. Take your time. I can hear you pretty well. We haven't done a call since, gosh, I think Mark Storacci maybe was our last call we had. But From Switzerland. Yeah. You take your time. No stress. We're going to get this worked out. Can you hear us okay? Hmm. hmm. And we have the audio up on the board, right, for for his channel. Can you hear us okay? Man, I'm not hearing him at all. Nope. I tell you what. Let you, me try to call him back. Okay. Why don't you guys just hang Morrison, tight? Morrison, New Jersey. Okay. New Jersey. Hey, you were close, dude. You said Newark. Do we have that channel unmuted on the board as far as you know? Let me just make sure. Hear me? Yeah. Ah, yeah. there right. he is. Here the good old mute button. Can you button. hear me? Yes, yeah. sir. Can you hear us? Oh, there we go. Steve, can you hear us? Oh, shit. Let's try it again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're going to get this. There we go. Hey, Steve, how you doing? Steve, can hey, you Steve? 
<laughs> this is so great. You were playing chase on the on the on the air. This is live television. I'll tell you what, guys, hang with us. I'm gonna put our little break screen up. We'll try this one more time. <laughs> Good stuff, man. It's okay. Third time is charm. Come on. Oh, he got. He just got power back. Oh, he did. Well, I'll be darned. Some bitch. I'm gonna try recording the, uh, in progress. We'll try the meeting again. We're just gonna be patient. Sometimes stuff like this happens. He's probably like, screw the phone, guys. I'm getting on Zoom. <laughs> he says, give me five minutes for Wi-Fi to reload. Okay. So we'll just talk some shit. Yeah, man. Well, let's go back to the... the uh, Your call has been... Oh, boy. The Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue. Tell us about... I mean, how many people do you think were there when you guys were performing? Oh, I I, I don't I don't know. It was a, it was a few thousand. Man. Um, Is that the biggest crowd you've ever played in front of? No. I don't think so. <laughs> no. I don't think so. But it was it was a really cool it was a really cool night. It was nice outside. Um it was it was a very nice event. It was very cool that they had us there again and you know, those kind of cool gigs like that go by way too fast. They do. And I'm sure you guys value them every time they come up. Um did you guys have a chance to check out any other bands or was that kind of a deal where you just went Honestly, you want to hear you want to hear a story so this is this is a good one. So yeah. there's this really killer band called something Rockabilly. I don't know. They were really 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 good musicians. Every one of them in the band. There was like a a, a Hammond organ player and there, right. and there was a bass player that was awesome and a great backup singer. And I don't know who it was, but some guy there standing next to me watching me goes man i hate to be the band that follows this band and i said ah oh yeah <laughs> so so challenge accepted. So, I, so as we're up there we're doing our thing i see him over there rocking out and we get done and i walk over and i said hey man say that again uh, <laughs> and he he went but it was all good he was he was uh i was joking with him and he, it was a good night man well, we had we had a fun time so thank you for asking. friday looked like it was a pretty good show too yeah 90, um, 90 pound wrench played that night it looked like a great crowd there as well. Yeah. That's just a premier gig to get. If you guys were at the Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue event, yeah. I know you had a great time. Hopefully, you caught these guys and, and our other friends in 90 Pound Wrench. Um, amazing time. There's such a good good music scene in this area. So yeah. many people support Chuck it. Chuck Rogers so well. and uh, Dustin Little are in the house. How What's you up, doing? Chuck? Uh, What's Cynthia up, Gossett, thank you for coming. And Tony, how you doing? Tony, Tony, Tony Gotcher. Yeah. How's it going, girl? Good to see you. Um, Thanks, everybody, uh, for joining with us. We will be having Steve Brown from Trickster um, here. We're a little delayed with him tonight because of his power. Yeah, he had a power outage. You know, that would have been so cool is if Scorpions was playing there in that town and they were right in the middle of Blackout. Blackout. That would be kind of cool. Maybe he can sing a few bars of that once he gets on with us. This is kind of the fun element of, of live broadcasting. I mean, you just never know what you're going to get. Usually it's our fault. This is no one's fault. This is what you call an act of God. Yeah. So we will wait for his Wi-Fi to reboot, and then he's going to get back on the Zoom. Let's talk about other stuff. What do you want to talk about? What do you guys want to talk about? Well, okay, don't now, viewers, please don't leave us. We're going <clears> to <throat> deviate for just a moment because, honestly, we're just trying to kill some time. I have something for you. Okay, lay it on me. So what do you think about, um, I'm sure you've read about that guy that um, from the band, uh, what was the band that they had to cancel shows because they lost their computer, Falling in Reverse. Right. And they lost their computers, and so they couldn't play their live concerts. And, of course, Eddie Trunk weighed in on that, and he Uh couldn't believe that, you know. And then Sebastian Bach, you know, know him, he's 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 a... you know how he is, yeah. and he had to he had to chime in and challenge. What do you guys think about that? Well, What's your thoughts? 
Well, if you have like your basics, um, your sounds, your light programming and, and everything that's like part of the show in, in your computers and, you know, they still play their guitars, they still do all their shit, but they got to have all their, their synth sounds and all that shit. Right. So I totally get it. I totally I, I get it. I do too. And, but uh, don't you think if like, you know, you still, okay, we can't have some of the stuff we normally have, but can't we, we can just go up there and still give the people a show because we can play our instruments still and. Not every band can do that, Nine. I don't think. It, it just depends. If everything's on a click and they're all programmed to play on that click, then, the, you know, they might get lost and shit because they have certain cues that they fucking go with. Yeah, so if they have these true. certain cues and then they're, they're so used to playing that way and then all of a sudden you throw them out there to, to kind of just go raw again, it's not the same thing. You, right, know? you, right. can't, you, you get more lost sometimes. That's a good point. That's Especially good point. if the band is just so reliant on like digital sounds and effects and stuff like that. It's, it, it really depends. I mean, yes, I totally agree with you that you absolutely should be able to play your instruments and sing. There should be no fake playing. But if that, if that external sound and effects really round out your sound, like, you know. like say for instance, what if Genesis like Phil Collins and, or whoever and the keyboard player, they had their fucking, their floppy disk or, or their, their synthesizers were lost. And they floppy disks. You know, <laughs> whatever shit that they had to, you know, to put in their samples and sounds and stuff to get their whatever. And he has no keyboards or whatever, and he doesn't have all of his, his programs. So suddenly now they got to go up there and play with just bass and drums and no, and no sense. Okay. I mean, I, I get that. All right. I mean, it's a good point. I'm not arguing either way. I'm just wanting to know what everybody else thinks about that. So that's, you, that's you how have I have a thought on that too. You know where the chat room is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still no Steve guys. I'm going to try to email him real quick. Um, okay. You guys want to take just, a short I break, just, or just, you want to continue to just bullshit a little bit? He'll be on any minute. He said, uh, "Give me five minutes to for Wi-Fi to reload. I have to reboot." Okay, so that was like five minutes ago. Yeah, but, I mean, shit, it, it takes time. Know, We're good, man. Yeah, but yeah, to kind of continue that. Um, yeah, Eddie Trunk is on a mission to <laughs> make sure he lets everyone know that he does not support right, the right. use of tracks, and we are well, very they, clear they, on that. They think that they're just like just in their lip syncing they don't get what they're doing with them they don't understand it right that's they just true. think that they're up there just like no that's true and you have your in you could have your intros on the computer and like you said just the track the the um the you know click tracks and just sound effects and lighting effects and just all kinds of things uh, you can have your guitar effects on there too so yeah, yeah. um no, that's a that's a good point. I, I definitely agree that there should be no no lip syncing or no, no fake playing. Right. But if if those enhancements really make up a big part of your sound, yeah, sometimes uh, that's the new age. I mean, it the, is it, it's right. basic technology. Yeah. And like Nikki Six says, like, well, why are we not allowed to use you know tools that? now enhance i mean what we've grown now so far and we've gone you know we're not right. we're not there anymore no i agree with that and yeah. all those bands use it all of them you know yeah, yeah. do I, I like that stuff personally i'd rather just you know hear the old school way of doing things myself right. um but but hey like you know again technology has advanced like just so far where you're able to do that kind of stuff and yeah. you do it you can do whatever you want you know you can be you could barely use them just for underlying hey, Jason, stuff. How you doing? Yeah, absolutely. And then you could totally base your whole show on something to where you can't play a live show if you lose those computers. And so, yeah. anyway, 
Just yeah, interesting topic. It's it's kind of a heated one amongst music fans, and that's okay. Everybody's got their got their stance on it, and it is totally fine either way. Thank we, you guys for watching. Um, we are still awaiting Steve Brown's arrival. Yeah, I just uh, posted uh, Steve Brown's uh, video in the chat room. It's called cool uh, "One to Lean On." It's his new single. We're going to be talking about that when he does come in. Yep. Um, we, uh, I. You know, he talks about how it, how much money, you know, videos cost years ago and, and and how far technology has come. You know, here we're back sure. to talking about that again. Now, you know, they basically can do the same shit on a cell, on a cell phone, you know, know iPhone. That's crazy, you know? I know. <laughs> you I can know. make just as good of videos as they did back then. Absolutely, you can. For free, you know. Or whatever you're paying on your monthly um, phone bill. Sure. But yeah, pretty cool stuff. While we're killing time, if if I could um, ask you guys, if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, we really would appreciate it if you would do that. Just go to Tulsa Music Stream on YouTube. We're trying to build that channel because the, the more uh, you can build that up and more followers you can get, uh, the more basically legitimate you you look to these artists that that are uh, that we're approaching to try to come on the show so it's really all about just building the following and um you hitting subscribe on that helps us with that tremendously yeah and um yeah it, and like follow all of our uh, especially our facebook page if you like it or if you you know if you don't follow it following it is pretty cool that way you get all the notifications and shows maybe we should give like him some that. little digital shorts like saturday night live does you know these little we can do little skits for him yeah. and stuff and put little videos on for there our, for our subscribers only though you have to subscribe to it kind of like kind of like fans only or whatever right. Right, right we should have our fans only we should actually so do, do you want me to put up our break screen and just ask our viewers to yeah, kind of hang tight with us? We'll sure. figure it out. We'll we're going to uh, put the put the break screen on. Please do not leave. Matter of fact, while we're waiting his arrival, um, why don't you guys share the stream and get some more people in here? Uh, hang with us and we'll hopefully have Steve on here in just a couple minutes. We'll go get some cookies in the green room. We'll be right back. <laughs> oh, good. Can you hear me? Woo. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sorry about that. We had a uh, we had a tree 
fall down and on one of the neighbor's uh, power lines and cut everything out for about a Look who's here. All right. Steve Brown made it. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing, bud? Better late than never. Absolutely. (laughs) It's great to be with you guys and gals and everybody on the worldwide interweb. Yeah. What's happening? It's great to be with you as well. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad that your power is back on. And another thing I want to thank you for, um, you're one of the very few artists to share our event on his uh, social media. We greatly appreciate that. That really helps. So thank you for doing that. And no problem. That's what we got to do. You got to promote. That's why we're here, right? Now, yes. We're, last night, weren't you um, on uh, Eddie Trunk? With on Eddie Trunk, your your song got played on. Uh, was it Hair Nation? It did. Yes, Sweet. yes. Nice. Of course, it was an exciting day, and you know, it's been. It's been an exciting two weeks. You know, I have the uh, release of my new single, One to Lean On. So I've been pushing it hard and just trying to, you know, get the music out all around the world. And and the response to the new song has been incredible. So, again, this is what they call the press junket. And I'm I'm honored (laughs) to be on with you guys. I hope everything's cool. Hope everybody's great in Tulsa. Absolutely. We are great. Let's talk about this song. I'm going to put this back up so everyone can see it. Your new single is called One to Lean On. Not only is the single out, but Steve's got two different videos out. Uh, There's a band video and a lyric video. Both are extremely cool. You guys can hear this song on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Tidal, or Deezer, and check out those videos on YouTube. And Steve, this is kind of a continued deviation for you from the hard rock that we're used to hearing from you, uh, but it's excellent. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the creation and the inspiration behind this song and also the really cool roster of artists that play on it with you? Yeah, well, thanks. You know, I mean, that's that's really the key thing here. Look, I've been writing songs for 40 plus years since I was 12 or 13 years old. So at this point in my songwriting journey, I, I kind of go, what haven't I done? What style of music, you know, um, you know, haven't I shown? How, what, what side of me as an artist, as a singer, songwriter, guitarist, producer, engineer, haven't I shown the people? So One the Lean On was uh, a song that I started working on two years ago. And it's funny because there's a uh, there's a video I put out on social media to about two years ago, and it's me playing in a bathrobe and playing the beginning <laughs> of one to lean on. So I, I kind of said that that was the beginning working title was the bathrobe song because it was like, <laughs> you know, I'm most creative when I wake up in the morning. You know, I'm a coffee guy, so like three, four cups of coffee. And uh, I went down in the studio. I get working right away, and I'm like, man, what do I, what do I want to come up with today? I'm like, man, let's do something, you know, like, like the Rolling Stones, and you know, and even more current. I, I mean, 30 years old, it's not really current, but uh, <laughs> I'm an old, you know, Richie Sambora is a huge influence on me, and he's an old friend, and yeah. he made this incredible solo record back in 1991, 92, called Stranger in This Town. Yes, and uh, I was lucky enough to be in the studio with him when he was actually cutting the song Stranger in This Town. Um, uh, my dear friend, Dean Fasano, who actually like co-produced some of the second Trickster record here, 
um, was helping Richie with the vocals. So I was invited to go down. And, and I always said, man, I love this. And I love that record because Richie showed so many different sides, right. you know, that he wasn't just the guitar player and background singer and sometimes lead vocalist for Bon Jovi. So, I mean, you know, that really goes to what, where One to Lean On came about. And also I got to give props to Steve Lukather because his bluesy side is such a big influence. And I think all the guitar geeks out there, they'll certainly be able to hear, you know, the Sambora Lukather influence, you know, sort of the modern blues rock thing. Sure. Um, and that's really it. And it, and it was one of those songs that came together really quickly and, um, you know, after I wrote the music, I was like, what am I going to do lyrically? And I'm like, man, you know, especially in, in this world that we're living in now where, you know, and not to get political in any way, shape or form, but sure. the world and the country is so divided, you know, and I think I've always been somebody who's tried to write uplifting, positive lyrics, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what, even on my darkest day, I will always try to find the good in everything and try to find the light, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And so one to lean on popped in my head and it's like man anybody that knows me and I'm sure if you ask you know I'm extremely loyal and I'm always there for my family of course and my friends and pretty much anybody that I like in my life I will bend over backwards for and and try to do uh, as much as I possibly can. So that was kind of the lyrical thing that, you know, it starts out, man, you got a shot of bad luck and you're drinking <laughs> it down. You know, somebody who's down in the dumps and, and you know, my role or, or your role, if you're going to be the positive role model, help your friend out. You're the one to lean on. And, you know, that's what the song is about. And I think it's a total, it's a, it's a really, um, phenomenal um, sort of uh, inspirational lyric that everybody can relate to. You know, it's not rocket science, but it's uh, it's from the heart and it's from the soul. And that's the most important. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the song's great. Um, you know, you're a busy guy. You have a lot, a lot of stuff in the, in the cooker, you know, a lot, a lot of food in the, in the pot. And uh, there's you know, a lot did of you... me there. There's a did, lot did you, of meat on these bones, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you did you um, you know, when you started off with, you know, the doing music, did you was it something that was just you know you, you needed to do was kind of, you know, get, you know, get friendly with people and, and and especially with the people in the business and stuff and and kind of work your way around and and that way you you are now where you have multiple friends that you can rely on you know you've got plenty of plenty of rock star friends and, and <laughs> it must be a really cool feeling yeah well to say that i was born to do this would be an understatement you know i knew 1978 i've told this story numerous times but i'll tell you guys it was it was so powerful and so immediate for me it was two things kiss rock and roll over discovering that record. That was my first introduction to hard rock. 76. Um, visual. And, and when I put that record on, yeah, but I didn't get it until 78. So I borrowed it from my now sister-in-law, who was my older brother's boyfriend, my older brother, Mike. Uh, it was his girlfriend, Marianne, who's my sister-in-law. But I was at their house, Marianne's house, and her brother had Kiss, Kiss Rock and Roll Over. And it was it was in his room. And I would, I would you know, I was 
eight years old, seven years old, going around looking in doors, never knowing what you're going to see. And I swear to God, I saw that album cover and it was like something out of a movie. It started smoking and talking to me. <laughs> and I could have sworn, I still remember, I could have sworn Gene Simmons, uh, you know, on the album cover saying, Steve, come here, Steve, come here. <laughs> and I like walked in the room and it was like, it was like out of the, you know, out of a video. You right. know, where I held it up and it was like, ah. <laughs> And then I kid you not. So then later uh, I was able to borrow it. My, my sister-in-law, Marianne, her brother, Paulie, God rest his soul. He had the record. He said, Steve, take this record. You're going to love these guys. They're awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I didn't know what it was. I mean, at that point in my life, you know, all I knew were like the Beatles, Neil Diamond, Elvis, you know, and Saturday Night Fever, I think. Right. You know, so it was like, so, so I got home. I put it on, drop, put I had my little portable record player. I dropped the needle down and yes. the, first song, the first song is I want you and the guitars come on and you know, hello <laughs> acoustic. And then all of a sudden when it, with the flanger, it was like, dude, it was like a kiss concert in my mind. Explosions were going off. <laughs> right. I had, heard, I had never heard somebody scream Paul Stanley singing like that guitars like that. And then, you know, when the guitar solo kicked in that, <laughs> Oh, to hear all that, for a seven, eight, I think I was still seven at the time. It was so powerful. Yeah. And then fast forward a couple months later, when my neighbor brought down an eight track tape of Van Halen one, which he came to me and he said, Steve, you're going to love this band. Gene Simmons discovered him. And then hearing, you know, Eddie Van Halen play guitar for the first time to say that didn't have a tremendous impact on me would be like the understatement ever because it completely changed my life. And from that moment on, I was hooked right. and I was addicted. And then all of a sudden it was get every Kiss record, get every Van Halen record. <laughs> and, and, and learn and I you know I was you know and growing up in the 70s and 80s we had this great ritual where when you would get an album you would listen to it and you would open it up and you would oh, read yeah. the credits and you sure. would know and by the time I was 10 years old I knew who Van Halen's manager was their tour manager I knew who Kiss's trucking company was <laughs> you know, I knew all this stuff and it was again it was a part of it was a part of the rock and roll thing that I don't know if most kids, especially at that age, kind of gravitate towards, but I was enamored with all of it, whether it was the music, the guitar playing, the songwriting, the, the managing, the marketing. And I think all of this played into when I started Trickster at 12 years old. I had a I had a definite vision about what this band was going to be, right. and I, I of course you know and I thank Gene Simmons for this multiple times in the in the thirty plus years that I've known him and been friends with him and toured with him. You know, saying that you taught me early on that you have to have a gimmick, you got to have something. What is right. it going to be that's going to separate your band from everybody else? Right. So when I started Trickster. And, and this goes, this is really cool because the Def Leppard influence was, besides their musical 
um, their songs and the music and everything. The biggest influence early on for me was knowing, and I read it in a magazine, I think it was Circus Magazine, that Rick Allen was 15 years old when he joined Def Leppard. Right. So I said, if that was an inspiration, I said, man, I'm going to beat them to the punch and I'm going to start my own band at 12 years old. There you go. And that's what I did, you know, and, and I got together with Pete and uh, two other guys in the air, these guys, uh, Doug Cowie and Mike Payne, who were the original members of, you know, Trickster. Actually, the first name was called Raid, R-A-D-E. Mm. And um, and that was, you know, that was the beginning of it. But yeah, getting back to what, you know, you said before, was I cut out to do this? And was, is it in my blood? Yes, it's in my blood. And, you know, 40 plus years later, you know, I'm still running with the devil and then rock and rolling all night. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and, and again, you know, all of the, 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 the things that go along with this, whether it's doing interviews like this, when your power cuts out and, you know, you gotta re, you gotta reboot and do this. And I do this, I do this stuff every day and I love it. I don't mind all the travel. I still love getting on airplanes. Tomorrow I'm flying to Sarasota, Florida to do a guitar deal thing that I'm working on. And, you know, and, and I just love every aspect of this business. It's a good life if you can get it. Yeah, for sure. It it is, man. And I tell people that, look, I'm one of the lucky ones. I wrote the song one in a million. I certainly am one in a million, but you know, and I think my, you know, my, my compadre PJ Farley, who I've been playing with for 35 years, you know, we still feel the same way that whether whether it's, you know, for me or for him, whether it's playing a stadium with Def Leppard or playing, you know, Richmond, Indiana at the Firehouse Barbecue and Blues playing Trickster Acoustic in front of 150 people, <laughs> I still get the same feeling, you know, and I don't, you know, the size of the crowd doesn't matter to me. I still give 500% no matter where it is and what it is, you know, and uh, and that's in everything that I do and getting back to one to lean on, you know, being able to do these songs in my studio i'm able to work with my friends you know i had my drummer john laspina who you know when we started recording this song two years ago he had just gotten a pro tools rig so he was like hey man i need to learn how to do like this you know online recording you know because that was right in the beginning of the pandemic and you know being able to do you know being able to work from home and stuff like that so i was like yeah man you know i just wrote this song why don't you throw some drums on it you know we had no idea that this was going to turn into a worldwide release two years later and here we are but he did that and you know look that's the magic of technology and i was able to get my other rubik's cube band member our newest singer uh devin marie to sing some incredible background vocals greg smith from tokyo motor fist and ted nugent of course is playing bass on it and chris mccoy who's also my keyboard player in tokyo motor fist and a couple other bands so you know the the really at this point in my career the most important thing is making music that makes me happy and that is going to challenge myself as an artist as a singer as a producer as a writer i don't want to do the same thing man i've been known as you know the trickster def leopard you know van halen guy for 30 plus years i want to show everybody and here's bob up get ready here's the joke i'm not just a one trickster pony Uh, (laughs) right that was good You know, now, so now back in 1982, you're one of your uh, first guys you got kind of hooked up with was Ray Gillen. Was am I correct on that? Ray Gillen. Oh yeah, God, Ray Gillen. yeah. Well, that 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 starts out, you know, 
I, I uh, had a bunch of guitar teachers. I started playing in 1978, but probably around 1982 is when I met um, I met Ross Barada, who was my first really you know uh, phenomenal guitar player who looked like a rock star, and he played in this band, this New Jersey band called Harlot, and they were like a they had a Van Halen show, and their singer was this kid from um, uh, Palisades Park or Cliffside Park, New Jersey, Ray Gillen who was probably 19 years old at the time, and I was 12. And my drummer at the time, Mike, used to cut the lawn for George Pagonis, who was the drummer who lived mm. right around the block from us in Paramus, New Jersey. And these guys were real life rock stars. They were in a band that was playing the New Jersey club scene in the 80s where you would play if you were a band, and I'm sure you've interviewed, you know, you've heard the stories about Twisted Sisters, Zebra, mm -hmm. White Tiger, all oh, these yeah. phenomenal New Jersey bands, TT Quick, which had Mark Tornillo, who's now in Accept. Yeah. But Harlot was one of these bands that were, you know, they were maybe a B level, but they, to me, they might as well have been Van Halen or Dio or Black Sabbath <laughs> sure. because it was like, and I would go and we would watch them rehearse, man, in, in George's garage. And, you know, Ray Gillen and I have the demos and you probably heard and you know how great of a singer he was. Sure. Um, it was phenomenal to me to see. And I thought my guitar teacher Ross was, you know, I thought he was as good as Eddie Van Halen, Randy Rhodes and Richie Blackmore. I mean, it was it was powerful. And we learned, you know, all of us, we learned so much from those guys. And uh, the first time I ever played a nightclub and I was... 13 years old it was uh i think it was february of 1984 was at this famous club in new jersey called the circus circus and uh, i went to see harlot i was able to go with george the drummer's parents uh, george pagonis's parents they took me and my friend mike you know and escorted us and i was there in my pat red parachute pants my members only <laughs> jacket um, my white capizios and all of a sudden they array, hey, we're gonna bring up Ross's guitar student, Steve, this kid's a prodigy. And they brought me up on stage and I played You Really Got Me with a real rock and roll band. It was 130 decibels on stage. <laughs> and again, and that was a moment playing in front of a crowd and all these beautiful girls that were 18 <laughs> years old and in their 20s. I was losing my mind and I was, only, <laughs> I was 12, I was 13 years old. It was so powerful, but yeah, um, you know, Ray, God, God rest his soul, you know, was a huge influence. And, you know, and, and one really cool story with that is later on after Trickster's success, and we were out on tour with Warrant and Firehouse. Well, um, there were three shows that Firehouse couldn't do on the Blood, Sweat, and Beers tour in 1991, and Badlands got called in to do these shows. So I was finally able to see Ray because I, you know, we kind of lost touch after after Harlot. Ray went on to play with Rondinelli, Bobby Rondinelli's band, and then he got into Black Sabbath for a short period of time, yeah. and then he doing a bunch of different things and then he wound up in Badlands and I had not seen him since then and then you know so we finally got to uh, see each other and it was kind of weird because Badlands actually opened for Trickster if I'm correct on that show and it was kind of like it was weird because man Jakey e. Lee is one of my guitar heroes yes. so to have him open I was kind of weird
weird. I remember me and PJ and Pete like looking at each other going, man, this is weird. Ray's opening for us and Jakey Lee. And, you know, it, it was surreal. But we got to hang out that night after the show. I think it was somewhere in Oklahoma, actually. Or can't, wow. no, it was Kansas City. It was Kansas City. And I remember, man, we just sat there laughing and talking about all the days in Paramus and things from England and Cliffside Park, New Jersey, where Ray used to work. And uh, it was really cool, and you know, and, and it was you know another year later, and you know, it was when he got sick and stuff. So it was kind of a bummer, but we had some great times together. And um, you know, again, what a rock and roll journey my life has been. That's yeah. for sure. And it's I'm, funny. I'm, it sounds like you know, we're roughly about the same age, and and some of the experiences that you speak of, of course, you've made you've made the most of your opportunities. I mean, look at the look where you're sitting there. But it sounds like that we're, our our stories are so similar. I know him and I are both huge kiss fans it was the yeah. same year for yeah. me it was double platinum for me it was for it was, me for me it was kiss destroyer so yeah we can relate so much to it, almost Absolutely. and then and then when you're a younger kid 12 or 13 there was the local bands of course that we thought were just gods here in in, in you know in tulsa and so sure. very very similar stories Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look, you know, you, you see these bands. And I remember another funny story is, you know, there was the Paramus Band Show where Trickster played their first official show in um, July 7th of 1984. That was the first, you know, official. That was the real Trickster gig when I changed the name from Raid to Trickster. But a couple of years before that, I saw a band, a Paramus band, another Paramus band called Cyclops. And I saw them, and dude, it was like seeing Kiss or seeing Aerosmith. They had smoke, and they had they were in those satin '70s suits. I think it was 1979, and it was right when I started playing guitar. And I remember just being my jaw drop, like this right. is incredible seeing this, you know, on the Paramus Bandshell stage. Fast forward to I'm gonna say 29th summer of 2019. I'm playing a show with my 80s band Rubik's Cube. We're playing an outdoor show. And my brother-in-law is a lawyer. He's a, he's a county prosecutor now, but one of his best friends was a judge. And he came up to me and he said, oh man, you guys are great. I'm friends with your brother-in-law, Mark. And he goes, he goes, man, yeah, I used to play keyboards in high school. I went to Paramus High School and I was in a band. And all of a sudden it popped in my head. And I go, what was the name of your band? And he goes, Cyclops, that was the name of it. And I go, dude, I saw you guys at the Paramus Bandshell in 1979, and it was like seeing Van Halen or Aerosmith you know it was like that cool and he was like he was he started laughing he grabbed his wife and he's like here you gotta you gotta hear this story and it was that true awesome. so again man those things and i and look i don't have to tell you the first big concert you ever saw you know mine was seeing kiss and van halen was the second show i remember every moment about those shows and i could still see it in my mind it's kiss burned. dynasty Court, that was it. I saw him at the Madison Square Garden the second night. Yeah, me too. So I want to I want to ask you a question. It's going to seem like this is coming out of left field, but there's a reason I'm asking this. Okay. Are the master tapes to the Trickster debut album in your possession right now? They are not. They are not. What do we got to do to get those to you? <laughs> well, that's something that I've been working on for years now, and. Um, it is a long, expensive process, to say the least. Okay. Um, but I'm certainly trying to work on it. And um, 
We are still trying to get word, honestly, um, and I'm glad you asked this question because I'm still trying to get answers. Um, about 10 or 12 years ago now, there was a big, a horrible fire, which is yeah. called the mm -hmm. Universal Fires. Yes. Yes. And a lot of master tapes were lost. Extreme lost all their masters. Y&T, Guns N' Roses. Yeah, a lot of bands. And we don't even know at this point, I don't even know if our tapes were in. From oh. what I'm told, I have my lawyer, you know, who's been in touch with some people at Universal. From what we're told, our tapes are okay. Wow. But man, I, I would, uh, what I would do to get those tapes, because again, you know, I started the kind of the preliminary process of trying to do a 30th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, remaster. I would love nothing more than to remix, remaster, find out what's there because we, we have so much cool stuff that, you know, we have on cassettes, but it's really not good enough, you know, to release. But, um, right. you know, I just want to make sure that the tapes get digitized properly right. for, for the what future. You, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I want to no, make sure no. I ask this because what you just said was actually going to be my next question because I, I heard a fairly recent interview with you where you talked about that your vision for how that first Trickster album was going to sound was, you know, highly produced, kind of mutt langish, very big Def Leppard, and then it ended up being kind of a more raw recording. So my question for you was going to be, because people may not know this, but uh, Steve is just as talented in the studio doing, uh, you know, mixing and mastering uh, and engineering as he is uh, a performer. If you had those tapes in your possession and you did remix it, would you mix it to what your original vision for it was? Ah. So, I mean, to some degree, I would. there would be, I would definitely say, and because for all the fans, look, the, the original is always what's near and dear. It's near and dear to me. Um, you know, and, and the, the, the quick answer about what happened with the first record is it's really simple. We ran out of money. Gotcha. And we've gone to MCA so many times to finish the record, and they were just like, guys, you got to get this done. So basically, we had to settle for what was there, and um, it worked out. You know, I mean, here we are 32 years later right. still talking about it. Um, but with that being said, yes. Um, did it did it meet my expectations and I think some of the other members of the band? I mean, I think all of us were kind of like, man, why does this not sound like Van Halen or why does it not sound like Def Leppard or sure. Bon Jovi, you know? And um, it's uh, it's just the way it was, you know, way it went. And you know, anybody who's made it had a major label record deal, these are the things that happen, you know. And um, but I was able to um, and if and I think a lot of the fans know this, you know, when we released one in a million for the single, because we had the success, I was able to go in and we were able to re-sing some part, you know, some vocals, fix some things. And we were lucky enough to have the great uh, legendary and another, you know, famous engineer, may he rest in peace, the great Mike Shipley, who did, you know, all the Def Leppard's, not all of it, but most of the Def Leppard stuff, yeah. Shania Twain, Nickelback, I mean, one of the greatest yeah. mixed engineers. So he did a remix of One in a Million for the single, that was for the video. Right. And that was much closer to what I would have wanted sure. for the record. But, um, you know, again, getting back to it, we'll never know, you know, but I, w I already have it in my head that I would definitely do a tried and true 
you know, sort of as close to the original as possible. Then I would do what would it be, you know, the Steve Brown, let's say the Steve Brown <laughs> super rock mix, sure. which would probably <laughs> be closer to, you know, like I've always said, I always wanted a trickster. I always wanted trickster to be kind of a combination of, you know, um, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi and Van Halen and Cheap Trick. If you kind of mix that all together, yeah. that's kind of what my vision for Trickster, the sound would be. So I sure. think it would be something along those lines. But, you know, again, uh, let, let's hope for maybe the 40th anniversary because Thursday, we are already looking at the 30th anniversary of the Here album, which is wow. completely mind-blowing to me. Yeah. yeah. Time flies by quick. Crazy, man. Yeah, I've noticed that on your uh, Facebook page, like there's like some confusion. There might be some like fake Facebook accounts that are like different, your name and, and, and PJ and everybody's like all these different accounts. And I'm just wondering, is, it, is everything uh, good between the four of you guys? Mm, no. Well, I don't, know, I don't know what you mean by like different Facebook accounts. I mean, there's all different stuff. You know, just to clarify one thing, if anybody gets the and sees, there's a, there's a there's a thing out there called the Steve Brown Project. That's my buddy Henry, who does all my YouTube stuff and does a lot of my video work. It's all good. It's not a fake because I Legit. keep getting texts. Okay. Is this guy real? Is this guy fake? You know, because you know, look, we live in this world. You see it every day. One every every day, another you know rocker friend of mine. You see it on Instagram. Fake. Somebody's hacked my account. You know, so it's real. Right. But um. No, not really. I mean, I, I I don't really have. I'm not really on Facebook. I have a. I I control the Trickster Facebook as PJ does, but right. I don't I don't know anything else about really. You know what's going on with the other guys. I I don't know. Pete Pete might be on Facebook. I really I really don't know. You know, I only follow. You know what I'm doing right now. What PJ and I got going on. Yeah. Okay. And and we don't want to spend a lot of time talking about you know anything that might be unpleasant because there's so much more positive stuff to talk about i do have a question for you um okay. Trick, trickster is your band your creation yep. i'm always i am assuming always, yeah yes. always has been and always will and i'm assuming that you are the copyright owner of all of the material so my only question i want to ask about this gentleman when mark scott goes out and records a country version or whatever it is of give it to me good are there any legal ramifications behind him doing that sadly no you know there's nothing i can really do about it um i believe you know from what i know he got all the proper licenses to do it and i get paid for it oh, okay. um, so it's 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 okay it is what it is you know right. um that's really all I'm going to say about yeah, that. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. We've we've got plenty of other stuff yeah. to talk. I about. I want to know what the hell those guitars are hanging from because we can't see, but they're like just swinging. <laughs> they're swinging like you haven't had an earthquake or something. Yeah, it's, it's so, that it's yeah. that tree. I, I want to know what kind of stands those are hanging from. Hey, you want a little entertainer secret or uh, you know rock, rock star interior designer secret? I think I learned this on one of those um, HGTV shows. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> it's super heavy duty fishing line. Oh wow! And Very they're wrapped cool. up, and you use that so you don't see anything, and it creates the illusion. It's like a Doug okay. Henning thing. It's an illusion of my guitars. <laughs> 
from the rafters. That is so cool. That's so cool. You know, you have a, you have a lot of energy, and like he said, you know, you're you're around our age. You know, we're still playing in local bands, and you know, there's times that you just feel like you're just overwhelmed. You know, we have our day jobs, we've got all this, but you know, just listening to you talk and, and just how high you are to 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 go to the next the next thing, the next gig, the next whatever, the next interview, you're just all sure. in, and it just it, you kind of breathe you know some life in, into me. A yeah. little bit on when I feel kind of down about having to do some shit, you know, and, and <laughs> you just like, you're just up and up and that's really cool. Yeah. But I, you know, you, 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 you're friends with, you were friends with Eddie Van Halen. And I think that's just a remarkable, uh, piece of, uh, you know, memory for you to have knowing that you, you know, were able to spend some time with him and, and talk to him and, and, and kind of mess with some guitars with each other. And he's, you know, called you at 2 a.m. in the morning. You've hung out, we know, at his house. What was, I mean, when you think back of all that stuff, I mean, how fascinating is that? Well, look, I say it all the time, guys. I am truly one of the luckiest people on earth that you could ever meet to be able to um, start playing music at eight years old and start a band at 12, get signed to a record deal and have all these great things. And here we are 40 years later, still doing it. And I think at the top of my game, um, but um, the experiences that I've had, you know, again, it's, it's like a fairy tale. It really is. And um, it never gets lost on me how, you know, truly grateful I am. And the Eddie Van Halen thing was just, you know, and, and it's mind blowing to think that, you know, he, um, first off that he's not here anymore. That's right. the hardest thing for me. And I think so many of us, you know, the guy was our superhero, you know, I mean, he was, he was my friend, but man, I always caught a moment where I would go, Jesus, that's, that's, that's Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> You know, I mean, I remember man, me and PJ being backstage at a gig at one time, and it was one of the first times I brought PJ to really hang. And man, it was just me and PJ in the dressing room with Eddie Van Halen, and he's warming up, and like me and PJ, and like I think Ed went to the bathroom, and I just and I just looked at PJ. I go, "Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Is this the coolest?" Right. And again, man, I've had so many experiences with that, but you know, Ed was just the coolest nicest sweetest guy and um to me you know and and to my family my friends everybody you know like and the greatest compliment i always got from him was he always you know with his voice and i think i do a pretty good impression he goes steve you're you're part of the family you know <laughs> you know he'd call me and my brother we love you man you know you're and that was always the coolest thing where he would say, man, you're part of the family, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and he always knew that he could always call me at any time to shoot the shit because, you know, look, man, you know, when you're a band guy, sometimes you need to talk to another guy in a band because we speak the same language, right. you know? And whether it's bitching about your singer, bitching about your record company, your producer, we're good. And sometimes you need someone to bitch to, yeah. you know? And we did that a lot to each other, but you know, the, the coolest thing, you know, about it, you know, like I think a lot of people, you and you've heard this story, you know, be careful about meeting your heroes because they're yeah. probably gonna let you down the greatest thing in the world happened to me was meeting my hero and you know 
I wouldn't be here without Eddie Van Halen. That is God's honest truth. Right. He was That's... the single biggest influence, power force behind me wanting to do this and do it at the level that I'm still doing it at now. And so to meet him and him be so sweet, you know, the first time I met a man, he just came up to me, you know, and it was at the 1991 NAMM show and he came up, walked up on stage and he goes, shook my hand. He goes, hey, I'm Ed. He didn't say, I'm, hey, hey, I'm Eddie Van Halen. Right. He, go, he just said, hey, I'm Ed. And that's really anybody who's ever met him and ever become friends with him. That's what he says. And that's what you call him. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, you know, it's a, hey, Eddie. No, Ed. Yo, Ed, what's up, man? What are you doing? Hey, Ed, I broke my guitar. I need something. Oh, I'll send two amps out for you. That wow. was the kind of guy he was. And one of the funniest dudes on the planet. You know, and, the, and the, the thing, the reason Ed and I bonded was not because of the music. Yeah, I mean, I got to meet him when, you know, at a great time in my life, I was number one on MTV with one in a million and give it to me good. And so when he, you know, when I got introduced to him, he was like, trickster, trickster. He's like, who are you going on tour with? I'm like, we're going on tour with the Scorpions. He goes, oh, I just heard your commercial. You're playing Irvine Meadows. But it wasn't what we bonded over, it was like, I st immediately started telling him some funny, probably some funny, dirty jokes. And he <laughs> just fucking laughed and laughed. And that was always the thing where we would always just tell each other really funny jokes. And it wasn't like, hey man, hey Ed, can you show me how to play on right. the one? Can you show me how you do that? It was never, right. man, I couldn't give, it was always about how's your family, how's Val, right. you know, it was right it was right right before Wolf was going to be born, you know, right right before Wolfie was being born. He was going to be a dad, you know. So it was, you know, it was about family. It wasn't sure. about, man, it wasn't about music because everybody just would, would bother him about that. Right. And, and no matter what, he was always so cool. No matter what, he would sit there. If, if some dude came busted in and said, hey, Ed, can you show me what's on your guitar? He was such a guitar geek like all of us, you know, you know, always, as he always said, chasing tone and messing up his guitars to get the right guitar sound you know that that's what he would do but it, the, the the core of it all was just he was just such a fun you know warm-hearted guy you know and a regular dude because if he was here right now sitting doing this interview with me we would just be telling jokes and telling stories just like i'm doing sure, now sure sure it was really cool no rock star trip whatsoever with him that's really that's so awesome. Cool. Hey, let's let's switch. Do you guys have anything? Um, I, I've got Go something ahead. for. Go okay, ahead. okay. Don't mean to dominate here. No, no. Let's talk about. You've had s several really amazing accomplishments, and I know that you've been called upon by the guys in Def Leppard to fill in for them on more than one occasion. Um, and I want you to kind of take us back to when you played at Wembley Stadium with them. I'm, was that in 2013 or was that in 2018? That was 2014. That 2014. Was so, so what what are your memories of that night? Well, I mean, you know, look, the Def Leppard guys, again, you know, the Phil and Joe and, and the band, they've been friends for 30 plus. I met them in 87, 88 on the Hysteria Tour. So, you know, again, it's like family, you know, and Phil is Phil's like an older brother to me. So to, when, when Vivian got diagnosed with cancer, you know, um, Phil went to the band and, the you know, Joe and Phil were big fans of my band 40 Foot Ringo that we had. And we were actually going to do a tour with Def Leppard back in like 2001, 2003. But, 
you know, that's how I got the gig. And, you know, I got the gig because Phil was like, Steve can sing all the parts. He can play. He looks great. You know, he was he was the champion for it. And the guy was like, great. We know him. You know, he's been around us for, you know, 20 plus years because, you know, to get a gig like that, the music playing on stage is only one part of it. It's the camaraderie and being able to be a brother and being cool and, you know, and not being a crazy, you know, rock and roll maniac coming in with strippers and, you know, and, <laughs> and, and all the and all the accoutrements that go along with mm-hmm. rock and roll animals, you know, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so, um, 2014 is when I started doing, you know, my first rehearsals with them where it was, you know, it was kind of official. I started in 2013 where learning the show and not sure. And I was kind of waiting in the wings. I went over to Europe with them and, you know, was not sure if I was going to play some shows because Viv had started his cancer treatments. But 2014 is when it all started happening where it was definite that I was going to play. I went out on the summer Kiss Def Leppard tour and did uh, I was out for about two weeks doing sound checks and rehearsing with the guys and getting my in-ears and mm-hmm. you know getting everything squared away and that was so much fun to be out there you know with the Kiss guys because sure. you know they they were such good friends and um, one funny story about that one of the first sound checks I did that summer was up at the uh, the SPAC the Saratoga Performing Arts Center up in upstate New York. And uh, I remember, you know, getting my guitar on and do sound check. And, you know, it was probably the second second or third sound check I've done with them. I was still a little bit nervous. You know, I don't really get nervous at things, but it was still new, you know, getting sure. everything together. I want to impress them. I want to make sure Joe's happy, you know. And, and so I get my guitar on and, you know, we're starting. We launch, um, you know, Hysteria, the song is that's what we do for sound check. And I get into doom, started do 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 dance, sounding great in my ears. I'm starting to get my move on, starting to feel good. And then all of a sudden, I look over my right shoulder. I go like this, and who's there like this watching me? Going, Paul. It's Paul Stanley. Oh, and I'm man. like, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like <laughs> sitting there. I'm playing guitar. I'm going, motherfucker. I'm playing sound check with Def Leppard and one of my heroes, Paul Stanley, is watching. Him and him and Eric Singer were there watching me. And they're like, Yeah, kid, you you know, with their arms folded. Paul had that kind of, you know, fatherly look on his face, like, Yeah, man, you got this. And it was really, really uh, it was a really incredible time. And I actually I have a picture of that. Somebody had took a picture who was out in the at Soundcheck, and actually, and if you zoom in on it, you could see Paul right behind Sab's uh, shoulder. So wow. it's uh, it was really cool. But yeah, so fast forward Wembley Stadium. Um, where where do you begin? That's my first official show with Def Leppard. Okay, Jeez. let's think about this. I'm gonna play my first show ever with Def Leppard in front of ninety thousand people at Wembley Stadium for an NFL pre-game that's going to be broadcast to a billion people around the world oh, uh, is that a little bit of pressure oh, or not but i gotta be honest with you man i was so prepared and so ready mentally physically and so comfortable with the guys i mean def leppard besides the band guys who are like bro they're all like brothers to me 
um, their organization, their manager, Mike Kobayashi, and everybody that works for them are just so phenomenal. And they made me, you know, they made me feel, and they always make me feel like I'm part of the band. Sure. You know, and when I tour with them, I don't stay in a different hotel. If they're at the Four Seasons, I'm at the Four Seasons. If we're at Ritz-Carlton, you know, a lot of side guys are like fill-in guys for some bands that I know. They travel on the crew bus. They don't get to ride in the Learjet, but not right. with Def So. You know, they made it as easy and comfortable as possible. Plus, and, there's so uh, many layers of cool on top of that, just like you said, the Paul Stanley story. But you're you're, you're filling in for Vivian Campbell playing Steve Clark's parts and Viv's parts. <laughs> I and, mean, yeah, of course, man. I mean, it's, it's so it's, cool. It's, so, it, it's truly, again, you know, the, the movie rock star. There are so many things about that that are my life. You know, and, and just crazy because, you know, again, like Viv as well, Vivian, you know, I was a huge Dio fan and Vivian as a kid was a hero to me because he was right. 18 or 19 when he joined Dio. So to come in and, you know, to, 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 of course, help him out and help the Def Leppard guys in their time in need, you know, I'm always there. They're like family to me. And, and you know, nine years now I've been, you know, their backup guy. You know, and in 2018, of course, you know, I went in and filled in. I did three shows for Phil. Um, so, you know, and, and to do that. So, you know, to be able to play both those guitar parts, all yeah. those incredible songs. Right. I mean, again, you know, it's a shitty circumstance, but the great Joe Elliott, he said it so direct and so true. He looked at me one day. He said, somebody's got to do it, Steve. It might as well be you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great advice. And I said, you know what, Joe? You are right. It might as well be me, and it is me. So That's great, you know, man. And I'm always there for those guys, and they know it, that. It's such a cool story. And, and, you know, I've, I've after doing a lot of research on you and everything, you know, you're, you, like, you would win a uh, trivia game if it was all about Bon Jovi. I mean, you know, the ins and outs of Bon Jovi, like it's nobody's wow. business. I mean, you knew everything that was going on with the recordings of the record and everything yeah. who played on it before anybody even knew anything about it. Yeah. I mean, well, again, that was my, you know, as much as I loved the performing aspect at an early age, I fell in love with songwriting, you know, cheap trick dream police was the record that really got me hooked on pop rock songwriting. Um, and for all you kids out there, if you want a good education on a great starter record on melodic, hard rock, pop rock songwriting, Cheap Trick Dream Police. I don't know why, but that record to me, there are so many different parts of it that are just so perfect mm -hmm. um, in crafting. You know, Rick Nielsen is just a genius. So, but um, yeah, and that, and that was, I fell in love with all of it. I fell in love with art direction, album covers, every part of being in a rock band, organizing photo sessions. It was all you know, let's say part of the rock and roll fantasy that bad guy, right. you know, wasn't that their song, rock and yeah. roll fantasy? Yeah. It's all right. Oh, this rock and roll fantasy. And it's, it's true, but I was smart enough to learn and learn early on that it's not only fun and games, it's a business and you have to treat it like a business and you have to, you got to make sure that your image is right. You got to make sure your sound is right. You got to make sure you got the cool logo. 
you know, I made when I made the first Trickster logo, I made sure that that X, we had an X in it that had the thing, you know, the sort of like the Van Halen wings come under the first yeah. Trickster logo because it was more heavy metal looking, <laughs> but it was all part of it, you know, and, and any guy, anybody you interview that's had success with a band that they created, you ask the Warrant guys, ask the Winger guys, they all will tell you it's all part of it. You know, and again, it's not for everybody, but for me, it was sort of, you know, I just became like this all around, you know, songwriter, producer, organizer, manager. And luckily later on, I was able to get real managers who took care of that, but I still micromanaged everything. You know, and, and anybody will tell you, you know, I was the last, I was the last okay. And if it didn't get past me, it wasn't going anywhere. I was the last say on everything. Sure. So, um, you know, it was, um, you know, it's just the way it is. And I think, you know, John Bon Jovi was the same way, you know, as Joe Elliott is with uh, Joe and Sab with Def Leppard, you know, um, you know, every, every band, Nikki Six with Motley Crue. You know, it can't be can't be four cooks in the kitchen. That's right. Someone only has one, to lead only it. one Indian chief, and that was yes. me, Kimosabi. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you're agree. no stranger to Tulsa, Oklahoma. You 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 know yes. from from the times and Trickster. Um, you've done a lot of shows here with you know you've sure. been here with Warrant. Um, you've done uh, you've been on the floating stage here. Um, you played Rock, Oklahoma, with the when the tornadoes came in and blew down stages. <laughs> yeah, um, I was there holding on to a beer tent, which was kind of crazy for dear, for dear life. <laughs> and uh, and you had to the... hurry up and do your song and get the hell off that stage. Do you do you yeah. remember those times? I remember everything. We had so many great times in Oklahoma in general. And, you know, I was there, I think, when, in 2013, 2012 or 2013, I flew out when Def Leppard played. I think it was Def Leppard Heart. Was it the Def Leppard Heart Tour 2012 yeah. or 2013 when they played? I have two very dear friends that are in uh, that are in Oklahoma City, and we drove out to see the Def Leppard show in Tulsa. So uh, always a great time. Love it. My good buddy Greg Ranoff, of course, you know, oh, from yeah. the Ted Templeman biography yeah, and the Van cool. Halen Rising book is a, is a Tulsa guy uh, yeah. by way of New Jersey, which is crazy. <laughs> but um, lo I love Oklahoma and uh, I miss it. Can't wait to come back. Definitely. Hey, we know it's it's late where you are. You got to catch a plane tomorrow. We'll kind of start wrapping things up. I do want to let people know what your plans are and I find this really fascinating what what you're planning to do you're planning to release a single each year until the year 2032 when you will finally release your debut album tell us why you're taking that kind of approach well first off I thought it was a uh, fun lighthearted way to go about it you know but honestly it started Last year, when I released my first ever, if you can believe that, my first ever solo single, Where Do We Run, which um, I'm so proud of, and um, it popped in my head. I said, if I release one song a year, it's not too much for me, because I have so many different things going on. I have right at the moment five to six different musical projects that I'm involved with. You know, and, and, and then throw into the mix all the producing and engineering and mixing and mastering I do for other bands, my family, um, 
uh, other projects I can't even tell you about. So my time, I put as much as I can into this. You know, I just got back from Nashville. I was just down in Nashville. I'm, I'm starting to do my first um, songwriting, you know, journey down there, doing the country thing. I wrote a, you know, had a great writing session with a famous songwriter down there, J.T. Harding, who also has a great book, which you, everybody should check out, called Party Like Rockstar. But I was down there. I wrote with my producer buddy, Skid Mills, who produced the stereo fallout record so in between doing all of these different things and playing you know 100 to 200 shows a year um, this is a good way for me to be able to focus on one song a year release one song a year put as much as I can into the promotion myself you know self-promoting marketing you know and learning about the new digital age of way the way music it comes out nowadays you know I got to admit I'm still a caveman I still buy CDs you know um, I still love CDs I still love vinyl but mm -hmm. I'm not dumb enough to know that I have to learn about Spotify and sure. streaming and all of the ways that us as songwriters and artists have to make how, how to work this system to be able to make money and and to get our music to the to the masses and to get to our fans so you know i'm using each one of these songs so now one to lean on is out and i've really done over the last year a tremendous amount of work and learning about streaming and spotify and and apple music and how to get the music and be able to get more streams and get more views and you know and doing all this stuff and it's been incredible you know getting back to what i said before about knowing everybody who is on the kiss records and the van halen records learning about every part of the business it never ends and I love every part of it so this is a way for me so look I say it with a wink and a smile look if a record company comes to me tomorrow and says Steve here's a boatload of money a decent amount of money where you can focus for a year and record 10 more songs and we'll put out your record next year I might consider it I don't sure. really know because luckily money is not something that dictates in how I make music now you know I make music for me and I make music that I think all of my fans all around the world are gonna love. Whether it's in the trickster style or not, I don't care. Because at this point, I wanna show everybody all the different sort of colors that I have in my you know, musical coloring book, sure. if you will. That, that sounds so like that's a great it, plan. And, you know, and, I, and, and, and this works. And you know, it kinda like I put it down on paper and it looks good to me. Um, Hopefully it'll be sooner than 2032, but you know, one song a year and it's gonna be one different style song. I'm already, I already have the next track written and I'm gonna give you a little, I'm gonna give you guys, I told I told Eddie yesterday, it's, a, it's gonna be a hard rocker, but it's even gonna be heavy, heavy. It's gonna be real crunchy, borderline metal. Um, and wow. uh, I'm gonna have Jordan Kanata is gonna play drums on it and it's gonna be kind of a tour de force. And I'm really excited about that. So it's going to come out probably this time next year. And it works for me because I'm, you know, again, I'm like a Mutt Lang guy, like, man, like the way Mutt, we work, I like to work slow, methodically, and really make sure that everything is, everything is perfect for me. So right. at least I know when I put it out there that I put not 100, not 200, but 500 to 1,000% into working this song to where if I go... This sounds good to me. I know you guys are going to go, this is awesome. Sure. And that's the 
that's the reaction I want. That's the reaction that I've gotten to where do we run, which was completely different. You know, I don't think people expected that. And then one to lean on. Again, a bluesy Rolling Stones, Richie Sambora style bluesy rocker, you know. Um, but when you hear it, you go, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. You know, it with um, with you playing with Def Leppard and, and, you know, all the stuff that you're doing and – you know, we just hear like these rumors of John Five maybe joining Motley Crue because you know Mick's age, and and who knows what's going on with with that kind of rumor. What two bands would make you drop everything you're doing right now and and, and go out on tour with if they gave you a call? Just two. Well, two. Well, I I, I mean, you know, one of course is Def Leppard because yeah. I always drop my stuff. I mean, literally, I've dropped things where I was. <laughs> First time I got, I had to fly to Europe. I took the Apple Store a half hour away from my house, and I literally had to drop a phone. I'm like, yeah, I like this phone, but I'm gonna drop it to you because I got to be on a plane in four hours to France. But Steve, what if Paul Stanley calls you and he says, Steve, I need you to play Ace Freely for me? Well, that's Tommy Thayer's gig. But, it is, but what um, if Tommy? What if Tommy was sick? Would you want to go play Ace Freely? Wouldn't that be cool? I, I, I would. I, I look. All of my friends out there, and look, there are numerous bands that shall remain nameless, big bands who have called me in emergency where like, hey man, we might need you, can you do it? And of course, I'm kind. Of, it's kind of been my calling card, let's say for the last 10 years. You know, I've done it with Dennis DeYoung where his guitar players have had some issues and I've had to come out. And there's probably four or five other bands that, you know, again, I won't name, you know, um, because, uh, you know, it never materialized. But um, I mean, of course, Def Leppard. Uh, what other band would I drop everything? Probably Bon Jovi. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's, you know, that's Phil's gig right now, you know, yeah. and I don't know. You know, but of course, John's an old friend. Look, if, 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 if John called me and said, Steve, I need you. And I saw him a couple of weeks ago and had a gig. And, you know, we all know John's had some throat problems and stuff. And we talked. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you what he said to me, but, you know, I said to him, you know, because John was the first guy back in 1986, whoever got behind Trickster and supported the band, you know, and introdu introduced us to the Skid Row guys. He was instrumental with Doc McGee and putting us out on tour with the Scorpions in 1991. He was there the day we found out the first Trickster record went gold. He was with us backstage he's an old friend so if he ever needed me just like the Def Leppard guys I would always be there if Paul and Gene called and said Tommy broke his leg we need you can you so I of course I would sure you know I mean it's it's um you know luckily uh it's rock and roll man it's not like you're playing the Paganini Caprices to where I'd be like <laughs> I can't do this you know I, I, I definitely have learned you know um Danger, Danger in 2016, you know, the yeah. Bruno and Steve are my brothers and Ted, you know, they had a thing where Rob couldn't, couldn't get over in time. And I had to learn 16 of their songs in two days. Jeez. You know? Well, he probably knows Road Dog 885. Uh, I, that's what I was thinking too. We had Mike, is it Mike? Mike Corcioni? Corcioni. Do, do you know him? Yeah, 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 yeah. Him and Bruno used to be really good friends. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we yeah. had him on. We had him on about a month ago. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's got great stories. Yeah, he does. 
Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, those guys, those guys, you know, they're a little bit older than me. So they were, man, Bruno and Steve and, and Ted and, and, and Corky. Yeah. Those guys lived. They were in it, man. You know, yeah. I was still, I was still, you know, 12, 13 years old. I couldn't really go to bars yet without <laughs> my parents or without somebody else's right, parents. Right. Yeah, but yeah, I know. I know all about it. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, dude, look. One to Lean On is a song about true friendship, camaraderie. Everybody who knows me, and I think you guys know by now, when I'm your friend, I'm your friend, and I will be there. If you call me and say, any of my friends call me and say, dude, I need you to get on a plane right now. I'm in real bad shape. I'm going through a real tough time. I'm that guy who would be on, be down at Newark Airport earlier. I'd blow off my trip to Florida, a business deal to help out one of my friends. And that's the, that's the message of it all. So when it comes to rock and roll, but right now I will tell you, I will say if it would be Def Leppard, of course, cause I've done that and you know, but Paul McCartney called. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, Absolutely. you know, I, I was you thinking go. now if they do that Van Halen, a Van Halen tribute, and um, you know you have uh, Woofy out there, and, and uh, Mike, and, and Alex. I I would think that you would you would be one that would probably would need to be on that tour. Yeah. Even if it's for four or five songs, if it's like multiple different guitar players, or whatever. You know, it's gonna that it would be a blockbuster tour, and you would definitely fit right in. You know, you got the you got the showmanship, you got the guitars, you got you know the chops, you got the everything. So. I think that would be the one tour, definitely, that you'd have to drop all your bags for. <laughs> yeah, of course, and yeah, that that would be without question. You know, if Al, Al, and Wolf called, I would be there in a heartbeat. Sure. But uh, you know, either way, just wish Ed was still here. Most Absolutely. of all, we, do too. we all do. We right. do too. Well, it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful conversation with you. Um, I hope everything. Um, goes well for you with the new single yes. and um, maybe the other singles every single year. <laughs> well, you know what, guys? We're, let, let's let's make this a, a yearly date. An annual, an annual <laughs> yes. event. Yeah, right. an annual uh, date that we're going to do this because you guys are really cool and thanks for bearing with me during my power outage. Hey. All good, know? man. We're one of the good I, ones, man. Yeah, so <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fantastic. So let's do this again next year and, um, you know, to everybody out there watching, I hope you enjoyed it. And one to lean on, check out the single, yes. check out the videos, and make sure you check out, you know, follow and like all of all the people who played on it and sang on it. And uh, and most of all, most of all, please do this for me. Send this to all of your friend, your best friends, and your family, and let them know, and especially the ones who might be going through a tough time in life, and let them know that you're thinking about them, and say, hey man, Steve Brown wrote this song for everybody in the world, and I'm sending it to you because I'm gonna be your one to lean on. Yeah, Super I posted cool, I posted awesome. the link to the video in the chat room, and uh, that way people can get there, get to it, and yes. listen to it. And, um, you know, if you want, you can come in the chat room, say hi to everybody if, or whatever, or post it on your pages. That'd be great, man. And we really appreciate you, man. We're, we're, you know, doing our thing to try to get the word out to all, you know, all the fans of rock and roll and, and, and by having you come on our show is nothing but a gift. And then we really do appreciate it. Yes, we do. Steve, uh, I, I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak for all the guys that all my friends and bands and PJ and 
you know, the danger, danger guys, without you guys keep doing what you're doing with these, you know, the podcasts and the web shows and everything and all you guys do, we wouldn't be here. So we thank you for continuing to always get the music and these interviews out there. It's so important. We're so fans of the guys. music. We're, we're Absolutely. musicians and we're fans of music. So yeah. if, when, we, when we can't play, we want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and when, when listening to your story about the, the rock and roll over and, and how you felt inside, you know, that just brought back memories for myself and, and how I felt. And, and, and what, listening to your excitement, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I knew exactly what was going on with you. And I was laughing just because I knew exactly what you were talking about. <laughs> oh, so it was man, great. that's still the best the best Absolutely. you know what man that shot of rock and roll um you know I, I i said yesterday i'm i'm close to four years sober now my drug has always been rock and roll i still get that feeling when i hear a van halen song a def leppard song even one of my own sometimes it makes that the arm the hair on my arms stand right. up i get that feeling where i'm like yeah man it's mm -hmm. awesome and that's what it's all about a shot of rock and roll that's all you need I agree. Well, congratulations to yes. sobriety yes thank we you we really appreciate you tonight, and we will continue promoting your efforts. So stay in touch with us so we can uh, remain behind you and supporting all you do. Thanks again for coming on with us tonight, Tulsa Music Stream. Steve Brown, everybody, give it up. Give it up. Th you thank you, my it. friend. God Have bless a great you night, guys. buddy. Thanks. See you, bud. Thank you. Hey, so there we, we pulled it off. Everything worked out. Awesome. So cool. Good guy, man. Yeah, yeah very cool. Have we ever interviewed a bad guy on here? I don't think we have. I think they all are pretty darn good as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for fighting through your power outage there, Steve. I know that that uh, that's that technical stuff is hard to it get It was a around. fun interview. Just listen to his excitement on, on things. I heard I you guys laughing over there because it sounded like he was describing your lives. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, yeah, much. pretty much. It's pretty hilarious. But <laughs> a kiss had that effect on all you guys. That's so. why I was just laughing. I mean, I couldn't help it because I, I, I knew exactly what he was talking about right, and, right. and just... With with the thoughts and what was going on in his head and the explosions of when you, I want you and knowing what knowing you know the kind of equipment they used and the management the, the, company the, the, and the, the trucking and the trucking company <laughs> right exactly exactly very cool well before yeah. we get out let Teresa you want to say hi no no she's she's taking the night off she's working but but she's incognito tonight. He just sent so. me a text message and said, that was great. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you. Man, we, we love doing this. And uh, thanks, guys, for, for sticking with us. And make sure if you didn't catch the whole thing, you can always catch the replay on Tulsa Music Stream. Remember to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we have the, gosh, the fourth in a row, four in four weeks, next Tuesday, October 18th at 8 p.m. Central, Mark Kendall of Great White. So we yeah. are looking forward to doing that. Thanks again to our sponsors, Oki PC, Identity Merch, DEB Concerts, Psychoma Filmworks. We appreciate all you guys surviving Rocklahoma. We hope things are well. Thank you for all you do for the stream. And guys, if you don't have anything else, we'll let these people go to bed now. Does that oh, sound good? Yeah. I think I'm good. Yeah, we got Mark Kendall of Great White coming Tuesday, October 18th at 8 p.m. Yes. And we'll see you then. Thank you, guys. And again, please share our stream um, on your pages, your favorite groups, and your and your personal pages. We are on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, you actually knocked the camera crooked. He oh knocked it crooked. You did. That was awesome. They can. Now, That's the bullseye right there. Okay. You know what? This show would look good with two hosts. <laughs> See you guys later, man. Thank Bye. you. Good night. Have a good one. <laughs> good show.